to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muppets, Black Man, Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, a podcast drawn entirely in colored pencil and beloved by the entire United Kingdom and like six Americans. I'm not double checking those numbers, but a much more important number is upon us this year. We're a few days away from the 40th anniversary of one of my very favorite Christmas specials, The Snowman, which I covered last year. So this year, we're talking about its sequel, which debuted 10 years ago. So join us for another walk in the air back to 2012 as we celebrate the snowman and the snow dog. I am competitive skiing penguin who's at the wrong pole, Mike Westfall. And joining me is an ace pilot with a mustache made out of asparagus spears. Please welcome back Adam from Merry Britsmas. Hello, Adam. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for inviting me back. It's lovely to be back to discuss a, a proper British, lovely festive animation. Yes. Now, right out of the gate, not only is this the 10th anniversary of this special, but it's also the 40th anniversary of the original Snowman. Are they hyping up these anniversaries over there? Um, I've seen some stuff about the 40th anniversary of the snowman. I haven't seen much about the 10th anniversary of the snowman and the snow dog. I, I think they're still more of a reverence for the original one. Okay. Um, I think they're both very much liked, but the first one I suppose is so classic. I've seen bits and bobs on television. I've seen um, a couple of articles about it, about it coming up to 40 years. Um, but I haven't seen anything about the 10 years of the snow dog yet. Maybe something might pop up in December, potentially. Okay, maybe. I will I will say this year, I found a copy of the original book. Oh, really? Yes. In the least likely place, at the least likely time, my wife's classroom in the summer. <laughs> Perfect time to be reading a Christmas book. Right. So my wife teaches kindergarten. And over the summer, she was moving to a different classroom. So I was helping her moves things to the to the other classroom and there it was just sitting on a bookshelf not one but two copies of the snowman that she had (laughs) that she apparently inherited from another teacher friend of hers who used to be in that same classroom and i was just in awe did you take it home is it yours now i sure did yeah i told my (laughs) wife look there are two of these here i'm keeping this one I had my original, I had one when I was a kid. I don't know what happened to that. I think it was given away at um, some sort of, you know, a car boot. I don't know if you have a car boot in America. Are those things that have you heard of car boots? I've heard of what you're talking about. We have what we call a garage sale. Yeah, a bit like that, except we do it in a field and everyone opens out the back of their cars and you sell it out the back of your car, basically, on a little table from the back of your car. Oh, I like Um, that. Yeah, it's, it's it's a proper like, you know, you got to get there at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning and there's hordes of people going around trying to bargain for various bits of bric-a-brac. Oh, wow. I think I'm pretty sure it was lost in a pile of books that we sold one year. Like, I think I was a bit old. I was probably in my teenage years. So I was like, oh, well, who cares? And there's an adult now. <laughs> oh. I'm exactly looking back like I should have cared. I should have cared more. Uh, yeah. I have a, I have a modern, uh, my wife bought me a little selection of the Raymond Brigg books for Christmas a couple of years ago. Of like, you know, newly remastered, very nice little collection. 
Oh, good. So I do have the story still to hand for Christmas reading. Well, that's good. Uh, So we're actually a couple of days shy of the 10th anniversary of this sequel, The Snowman and the Snow Dog. It premiered on Christmas Eve in 2012 on Channel 4. And I wrongly assumed, oh, they'll have aired it right after the original and have them both back to back. Nope. (laughs) They pushed the original back to the 23rd, which was a Sunday that year. So that's fine. But... It was the first time Channel 4 had broadcast the original Snowman before Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's usually a Christmas Eve tradition to have it on Channel 4. I suppose maybe they were trying to get viewers on both nights. I don't know if maybe that was the the plan to sort of, you know, people watching on the 23rd and then watching on the, you know, wait till the 24th for the next one now. So come back tomorrow night and watch again. There's some sort of marketing ploy about it. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, because I notice now they look like they show it a few times leading up to Christmas. Yeah, it's usually on a sort of a handful of times throughout the festive season to try and maximize, you know, usually I always find it's on often in the early-ish in the morning, maybe for like, you know, parents getting up with their little kids quite early. Oh, all right. Having the snowman on is quite a nice thing at seven or eight in the morning. And then it's shown at some sort of prime time evening on a, a weekend close to Christmas and of course on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's a good time to show that. But so I had to know what did Channel 4 air right before this new Snowman and the Snow Dog that was so important it would bump the original back a day? And the answer is Ice Age, a mammoth Christmas. <laughs> okay. Doesn't feel as classic, no. No. I might have to add that to my list though, but I haven't I haven't seen that one yet. That's gonna have to go on my list as well yeah. to see. maybe it's a masterpiece that I've been missing out on. I haven't watched it yet either, but I only know all this because I found a website that archives the British TV lineups on and around Christmas. So if you're a very specific sort of nerd like I am, UK (laughs) Christmas TV is the website and that link is in the show notes. I think I know that website. I think I've looked at that website as well, which exactly shows the sort of person that we both are. I think I'm sure I've, I've checked that out to look for interesting Christmas stuff I might have missed in the past. There you go. Very helpful for for us. But yeah, this is what the Internet's for. That's right. (laughs) Thankfully, either Channel 4 put it online for a time or someone else did because I did manage to watch it that year or later that year. And I remember being a bit nervous. Would this be able to carry the torch of the original? Do you know if there was a similar feeling over there? Um, I think there was a general I think a lot of people were actually thinking a bit worried, like, you know, you can't match up to that original story almost. It's impossible. I, I think right. there was a bit of a feeling of why are they doing this a little bit, I think, amongst, okay. you know, people that I'd spoken to about it. Um, but I think lots of kids, people with kids were quite happy about it. You know, it's another nice festive thing to watch and something nice to gather around the family and anything like that's quite a, you know, a nice thing to come together with. And then when it did air, I think there was a positive, a lot of positive feedback about it. I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting it to be a classic in the same vein as the original, but I don't, I don't remember hearing any grumbles about it after, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I watched it on Christmas Eve and I'm pretty sure my family were sort of, you know, smiling afterwards and talking that it was very lovely, lovely bit of TV. Um, so there was definitely, um, I think, I think worry leading up to it but, and, and then positivity after, thankfully. Oh, well, good. Good. So we lost Raymond Briggs earlier this year. We did. Yeah. Back in August, he was 88. Uh, back just before this debuted, he admitted it took a lot of persuasion to allow a sequel to be made. But in the end, he called it absolutely super and seemed to be happy that it wasn't overly sentimental. 
Yeah, I think that had to be the key. He was very protective of his work and very much involved in anything that was adapted from his work and very much wanted it to not be, I don't know what the term, you know, sort of yeah, sentimentalised or turned into something more maybe akin to a modern, I don't know, flashbang audience with a happy ending. Potentially a lot of his stories, you know, are, are sort of seeped in some sort of sadness and, and he thinks that's important for children to experience. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's good that I think, you know, so far all the stuff we've seen that has been made from his work has stuck to that. And, and I think that's because he's quite, you know, and I'm hopefully I don't know who's got control of his estate now that sort of that continues as well. Yeah, I hope so. Cause uh, I'm glad that he's protective of his work and to keep that sort of vibe with it. But no, this was directed and co-written by Hillary Audis, I believe a U D U S. Yeah. Who was an animator on the first special and also father Christmas and when the wind blows and heavy metal which I thought was a nice little addition. <laughs> Something quite different, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, kind of the same. But <laughs> she kept his hand-drawn illustration style for this sequel, which, good. I don't think I could imagine a snowman sequel in any other style. No, I, I think that was key. When you know, I, I rewatched it again, obviously for this, and I sort of forgot how beautiful that style of animation can be because it looks it looks like a storybook come to life. It's literally as drawings have come onto the screen, and you know, I I couldn't imagine it done any other way. Really, this, this those snowmen stories than the stories that he tells about Christmas. Right now, they did use some CGI in here, but that was just to fine tune things like lighting effects and falling snow. You've You've got 30 years of technology to benefit from now. So yeah, make it look well, a little bit nicer. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and make your lives easier animating this. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Well, on that note, let's get into it. And if you want to watch The Snowman and the Snow Dog, I will just say it wasn't hard for me to find. Yeah, it's, it's around a lot of places. I, I, I purchased a copy online somewhere last okay. year, I think, which I can watch now. Because, again, I wanted to watch it, so I just purchased a copy for a few pounds. Sure. So now I can watch it again and again, all through the year. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but the first thing you'll notice when this begins is no snow. No, it starts off in pre-Christmas times, it seems, some sort of past um, before Christmas setting us up. Yeah, interesting way to begin this. I think what got my attention at the beginning of the original was just how brilliantly white everything was. And it made my TV look like a sheet of paper. And now it's a very bright and colorful summer day at the beginning of this. Yeah, it's it's a bit jarring, I suppose. Is that I, I was saying there's... um. Sort of, so something I'm an English teacher as well. I teach English in secondary school. Oh, okay. And I often talk to my kids about um, something called pathetic fallacy, uh, which is a technique where the weather reflects the mood of a story. Uh, okay. And in this one, you can see the starts with the sunshine for a particular reason with the family and moving to a new place and the dog. And then when we make the jump shortly, the weather gets a bit bleaker, the wind blows, it looks a bit darker and gray before the snow comes. And that is sort of, you know, if I, if I was analyzing this with my students, I'd say that's pathetic fallacy. We've got from the brightness to the darkness has sort of come in. Yes, I did like that transition almost right at the beginning. But first, you get this very similar pan across the countryside to that familiar house, only now a whole neighborhood has been built around it. Yeah, we've got um, a town uh, sort of built up now, a bit more residential area. And this, so the original is is based somewhere in, in Sussex, because that's where Raymond Briggs grew up and lived, I think. Okay. And um, and that's not far from where I live. I live near Brighton, and it's sort of around there because that's where you see. So it's, you know, probably not too far from here. And, and I think those 
the communities around here have grown a lot over the last, I'd say, 40, 50 years. The place that I live in at the moment is sort of has grown quite a lot in um, population. So I think there's it, it's, it's true to life is what I'm saying here. I think there's a truth to these this growth. OK, yeah, I was going to ask that later. But yeah, this, this big house in the original had a big sprawling front yard. Now that's gone. Just a tiny little path with a gate that doesn't even serve a purpose because you can just walk around the gate. <laughs> but parked outside the house is a moving van and we see a young mother and her son step out of it. Her son looks about the same age as the boy in the previous special, James. We will later learn this boy's. Well, I don't think we learned it at all, but I saw in the notes that uh, this boy's name is apparently Billy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they say it. And obviously it's, it's, it's all quiet. So we don't actually know. It's just given after uh, just, yeah. A cute little boy, as in the original, you know, bounding out with his um, dog from the moving van. Right. They got a dog in the in the moving van. Dog looks a bit worried about the height. He'd have to jump to get out of the van. So he barks to quit. Help, please. <laughs> Billy happily helps his pet safely out of the van. And I noticed here this dog doesn't have much of a spring in his step. No, it's it's very, again, very beautifully animated, very carefully animated to show that this is a bit of an an older dog um, right. that might need a bit of help, yeah, and st- be struggling a little bit. Add some sympathy for it from the audience. <laughs> uh, in a very quick scene, because now, sure enough, we cut to that drearier autumn day as fallen leaves blow down the street, the music takes a softer and slower turn, and we see Billy and his mother have had to bury their beloved pet in the backyard. Indeed, it's a very sharp, quick cut back to the bleak Briggs usual right, <laughs> style. Right and out of the gate, almost. I, I was watching this the other night, and my wife was sort of sat half watching it with me, and um, she was sort of she was saying because we, we were watching, she was like, "Is is the dog about is the dog about to die?" At the very start, and I was like, "I, I think it might be." Right. And recently, we've seemed to have watched a few TV shows and films where the pet has died, and she gets very oh, upset. No. She's like, "Well, not like again. Why are you making me watch another show <laughs> with a pet that's dying?" So she had to walk away for a little bit. <laughs> my daughter is the same way if a pet dies like she's like this is the worst thing ever why are you making <laughs> me watch this but she's getting better at at accepting this sort of thing but it's still yeah. it tugs at her heartstrings yeah but and in the original you didn't get hit with that tragedy until the very very end of it not even in, a minute and a half into this dead dog exactly i think up, up the bleakness but i think that's what briggs maybe asked for if it was on television <laughs> yeah but it was a minute and 17 seconds. I stopped and looked at the precise moment when, like you said, the weather changes and it looks like all the color is draining from the scene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and here's where it looks more like that colored pencil style. And I thought it looked very beautifully textured 40 years ago. This is superb. Yeah, really, really good. I did read somewhere there's over 200,000 hand-drawn images, I think, used wow. in the oh creation of this, which is all hand-drawn. I don't know how long that must have taken, but it's just amazing yeah. production. You can it, you can tell in the way it looks, like you said, how beautiful it is. Yeah, there's a lot of love put into this. Uh, also here, I noticed a jack-o'-lantern by the window in this scene, which further sets this much closer to present day because I believe you were telling me Halloween has only recently started to become a bigger holiday in the UK. Oh, definitely. In the last couple of decades, it's sort of grown and grown and become more of a commercial, celebrated, widely thing. There's always been, you know, something going on, but it hasn't had the same um, reach of Christmas, I'd say. And it was very much confined to the day, I'd say. And it has sprawled out a little bit more now. And the celebration has become more of, you know, days leading up to it, weeks leading up to it is is build up rather than it just being the one day. Right. Okay. 
Just a detail I noticed as we pan out to the backyard, which is fenced all the way around now, looking a lot smaller than the wide open snow field the house once had. Yeah, yeah, we've got that sort of um, inner sort of town feel to this, which I, I think I think it's probably done that way to sort of maybe connect with the audience. You know, the British audience, where most people will be living in towns and, and areas mm-hmm. like this rather than those rural areas we see in the original one. Um, so I think it's it's more related, relatable potentially to the British audience nowadays. Sure, yeah. I remember in the original, it looked like they lived in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And this is a stark difference from that. It just shows the passage of time even more. Exactly. That's that's kind of how, well, where I live here in Florida, even the last 15 years had neighborhoods getting built all over the place, where I remember fields. Yeah. Yeah, and popping up. Yeah. Well, we see Billy sadly place his dearly departed pet's favorite ball down on his burial site under the tree, along with his leash, before we dissolve back inside. And now it's closer to Christmas. We see a decorated tree, and Mama's making a Christmas cake, and also a sandwich for Billy, who's up in his room writing a letter to Santa. It says Santa on the envelope. It does, which, yeah, is... is, is I, I, again, I think it shows there's a sign. I think it's becoming more common over here to say Santa than it used to. I think more, more and more kids are it, just the Americanization of television and film and culture. That'll do it. And, you know, all the Santa media that's out there, there's not much Father mm-hmm. Christmas media out there anymore. Yeah, I guess uh, not. So I think a lot of kids refer to Santa rather than Father Christmas, which, you know, it's, I, I really don't mind, I suppose, but I do miss the, the Father Christmas sometimes. I feel something quite nostalgic about that for me. Sure. It, it kind of threw me for a loop because, well, my kids were just in a play of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Father Christmas is in that play. So. Yeah, exactly. Again, a classic British one. Yeah. Sure. And then I switched back to this and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They call him Santa now, too. Yeah. Again, I, I think it's a sign of the times, a sign of the changing times. Also, and this is only something I noticed in rewatching the original Snowman, almost in tandem with this. Yes, it is supposed to be the same house, but it's laid out a little differently inside from the original special. Oh, really? I, I didn't notice that. And I'm not talking, well, new families got their own furniture. A lot can move around inside a house over several decades. But it felt like to me that windows and doors weren't where they once were. So I don't think it matched up one to one, but fine. No, they haven't had a massive architectural uh, <laughs> reconstruction. <go>. Sure. <laughs> did you notice on the wall in the bedroom as well, there was um, some pictures? I did. One of the pictures was uh, Fungus the Bogeyman? Yes. I didn't notice it in the beginning. I noticed it toward the end, though. I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, that was. I, I had that book when I was a kid. It's uh, another Raymond Briggs story about a like a bogeyman who's sort of not very happy being a bogeyman, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or boogeyman, as you might call it in America, I think. Right. I remember looking it up as I was looking up Raymond Briggs stuff. So I know that there's a couple of movies with this character, but I haven't watched either of them yet. Yeah, and they did a. It was like I think it was a sort of CGI one. I never watched it, but they did a CGI one in about. Probably about 10 years ago or something of Fungus the Bogeyman. That's what it looked for, like, for yeah. television. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know if it was any good. I never I never watched it. So missed missed that one. It wasn't a Christmas one, so I skipped it. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but that exists. But for the most part, it's recognizable that this is supposed to be James's old house. And that's made even more clear when Billy goes to run downstairs and trips on a loose board in his bedroom. And under the floor, he finds a couple of toys that we recognize as belonging to James a long time ago. Definitely that toy soldier. He had a whole line of them that the snowman toppled over. Yeah, we're connecting back to the original story. And uh, 
I, I just wanted to add in this section as well, the, the loose floorboard. That seemed to be a thing when I was a kid. I always imagined every house should have a loose floorboard that you can hide stuff under because loads of films and television would have this loose floorboard. I've never been in a single house where I've had a, a hidey floorboard to hide under anything. I think no. I've been in the wrong houses, I think. Yeah, no, my house is all mostly carpeted, so there isn't... Yeah, same. Yeah, right. <laughs> but... There's an airplane under there and a small shoebox wrapped with a piece of old garland. So Billy takes it out, blows off the dust, and opens it to find an old hat, a scarf, several small rocks, and don't ask me how, but that tangerine is still decently preserved in that box. <laughs> I don't know, maybe what something's been put on it. Uh, we, we have got some, um, what are they called? Um, oh, I can't remember the coordinates. It's like a decoration you can make where you put cloves into an orange um, and then something else on it, and it preserves the orange. It sort of dries it out, and then oh, you wow. can hang it up, and it makes it makes the room smell nice. It sort of adds a fragrance because we've had some that we made about me and my wife made about seven or eight years ago. We made them, and they're still fine. We put them in a little box every Christmas, wrap them up, get them out, and hang them up. And oh they, wow! Um, but you have to put these like cloves all the way around. Could literally almost cover it in cloves stuck okay. into the skin and it dries it out and then leave it somewhere to dry for a while. Um, so unless that was done and then some magic has happened, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's it then. Cause I'm thinking, how does it look that good after decades? And it's, yeah. it's not just the 30 years between these two stories. I think we determined the original was probably set sometime in the 1940s or 50s. So at exactly, best, yeah. at best it's 60 years. <laughs> So it's a very good or good quality orange, I think, there. <laughs> sure. But whatever magic happens with the snowman when the whole thing comes together is protecting that orange. Uh, that's it. It's the magic. That's it. Uh, it's definitely the same hat and scarf because also included in the box is a photo of our old pal James standing next to the snowman he built all those years ago. Yeah, we've got the image to connect us back, take those flashback memories for any yes. viewers as well to remember the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Billy realizes what the other stuff in the box is for. At first, he takes out the old hat like, what is this all about? And I should clarify, the scarf in this box is the green scarf the snowman wears, not the yeah. one Father Christmas gives to James. No, no, the snowman's. This right. is the snowman's yeah. accoutrements and things. I see maybe James took that one away with him. Sure, for present. yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> he still has it. There's an old man somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> David Bowie took it home, put it in a box in his attic, and his son exactly. found it. And his son's got it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where it is now. <laughs> right. Uh, so Billy admires this old photo and looks up out his bedroom window to see that it has started to snow. Of course, it's got to snow. That's quite important for the rest yeah. of the story. <laughs> yes, it is. But it was like opening that box had willed it to start snowing. Yep, the magic. And next we see him down in the kitchen finishing his sandwich, shows his mother the box he found with the snowman stuff inside. And Mom balks at the scarf. I didn't know if her expression was for Billy to put it on himself or she just thought it was a really old looking scarf. Yeah, or I suppose maybe, you know, just turning up with a scarf you found under the floorboards is, is a bit sinister. I feel a bit like, what, <laughs> why? Why did you find that? Where does it come yeah. from? Whose is it? Didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So Billy puts on a jacket, a hat, and mittens, takes the box outside. No boots for this kid. He's just going out there with some Chuck Taylor sneakers. <laughs> Those get very wet, yeah, very wet very quickly. Right. I've been a Chuck's guy for most of my life. They are terrible to wear in the snow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just absorb the water. I think his yeah. feet will be shivering after right. two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and but he spends a long time building this snowman. 
the magic. It's, you just got to excuse it as the magic. And anything like that, it's magic. The orange magic, shoes magic. Yeah, but his mother does actually notice later and tells him, put on your boots. But, <laughs> but here we go. Billy props up the old photo on a little table out back and starts shoveling lines of snow to build that first big, tall mound that makes up the snowman's legs and body. It's perfect sculpting again. Again, I think I said this last time I was discussing this, uh, the original snowman. I, I, I can never make a snowman like that when I was a kid. I, they, mine would always come out misshapen or weird or, or lopsided or something. They all seem so perfect in the cartoons. Right, and I remember you telling me even after 40 years of watching this, we're all just sticking with that other three snowballs of decreasing size piled on top of each other instead of this style that we see in the show, in the book. Yeah, exactly. The one big and then just a thing on top. Right. But that's what Billy does here. He shovels all all that snow in his backyard. It looks like he doesn't have enough to make a head, which is now fenced and surrounded by other homes and streets. So the special is making a point to show us, yeah, Big Field is gone for this kid. So now he has to look around and he decides to take some snow from the top of the fence post and a birdhouse and branches off a tree and even the roof of a shed in his backyard. This feels like quite a British thing to be honest. When it does snow here, especially in the modern age, it, it snows a little bit, but maybe not enough to have really deep layers of snow. So, you know, if, you, if you're making a snowman, if you're having a snowball fight, you've got to go searching for that snow sometimes. You've got to get to the neighbors, go to the you know street outside, okay. go to the next door street, just gather it wherever you can to make what you've got to make or throw the snow you've got to throw. Wherever you can. Yeah, he gets it off his shed and it all just kind of falls off at once right onto him there. <laughs> But it's finally enough to give a snowman a properly sized head with enough left over. So he puts on all the finishing touches and finds, yeah, that dried up tangerine's too small. So he gets a fresh one from inside. And here's where his mother tells him to put on boots. And while he's doing that, he notices his old dog's leash still hanging on the door. They kept the leash. Yeah, it's a bit odd. Yeah. I thought they buried. Did they bury the leash? I thought they put it on... Just the mound that they uh, buried him on. Oh, I see. Yeah. So maybe maybe mom brought it in at some point thinking, you know, better bring that in rather than leave it under in the garden. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess even she couldn't bear putting it away. Yeah. But that gives Billy an idea. So he goes back out, takes two mismatched socks from the laundry with him and uses them in ears for a little snow dog. Again, yeah, a very wonderfully sculptured snow dog. This is very artistic, this young boy. It's a perfectly sculptured. Really is. And the dried up orange is now the perfect size and shape for a dog's <laughs> nose. And I like that he puts the finishing touch by putting his mittens on either side of the dog as a little pink spot, which I thought was nice. Yeah, there's little patches on the side. Yeah. yeah. Quite a nice addition. Uh, stands back, admires his work before his mother calls him inside. Starting to get dark. So we see him go to bed, and later we see the old grandfather clock at the bottom of the stairs strikes midnight. It's the same clock, which is a nice detail they kept. So the clock strikes 12, and we hear a very faint barking outside that wakes Billy up. And he turns, and he looks at a picture of his old pet on his nightstand. First off, that's a really bright lamp in his room, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously he needs it, yeah. I guess. My kids have lamps in their bedrooms that they use overnight, but not that bright. I'm not quite sure why. I don't, yeah, I don't think we usually... Maybe it's the British lights are brighter than American lights? I'm not sure. Oh, I feel like maybe. it might be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stronger wattage. <laughs> there it is. 
That explains it. This is right. I mean, the, the British darkness needs staving away. Maybe that's it. Ah, okay. So we hear bark. Billy looks out the window at his snow dog. And the second he starts to turn away, he catches the dog's head, do that little tilt motion that dogs do. And then the dog blinks. So Billy rushes downstairs and out the back door to get a closer look. And now both the snowman and the snow dog start to glow that magical glow right in front of him, which knocks Billy backward in amazement. And they look as confused as Billy does when they notice him. I wonder if the snowman thinks, whoa, it's a different kid. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so it's the, it's the same snowman, the same spirit. It seems to be the same, you know, soul almost, I don't know, of the snowman. Yeah. So it's, it's where, where, where's the soul of the snowman residing is my <laughs> existential question. Is it in the house? <laughs> is it in the hat? Is it in, in the scarf? I don't know. It's because it's if it's the same soul. Right. Yeah, exactly. If he's confused that, oh, wait, this is a different boy that last time I saw, then he's just soul has been nowhere for the last 60 years until resurrected by this new boy. Sure, because later he does notice that old photo of himself and young James and just kind of smiles. Exactly. Yeah, he recognizes it, which makes me think it's the same snowman. So I would think so. It, it opens up all sorts of existential questions about right. the soul of this, <laughs> to me, and the yeah. afterlife and what, what became of him. Where has he been these 60 years? Oh, my Just goodness. These... Like in Frosty, he was made of Christmas snow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the snow dog is the first to approach Billy, who's delighted. And the dog finds the previous dog's old ball, so they play fetch for a little bit. And now the snowman wants to give the ball a toss, so he actually loses his balance and ends up throwing the ball into the open door into the house and right at the Christmas tree, which knocks over an ornament of another snowman. And that snowman ornament has the standard three ball design of every other snowman we know. Yeah, I don't know if that's a subtle nod, maybe. I know just a bit of a animation like, okay, this is what a snowman usually looks like, but we're not doing that. Yeah. No, yeah, because we see plenty of other snowmen later and they all have this other design. So Exactly. That's the the whole of Britain apparently makes snowmans like that. Right. <laughs> and around the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, in various nations. Yeah. But Billy has to get the ornament back from the snow dog who has it in his mouth for a second. So we get that playful he he knows how to play with a dog which he misses. And meanwhile, the snowman is kind of just watching the dog and Billy play and interact while he mostly observes. This is when he uh, notices the picture of himself and James. Do you think this snowman knows how long it's been since that picture? Exactly. That's what, has he had any awareness of, of, of time? Right. <laughs> or is he, is he just like sort of, you know, blink, melt, and then right. blink and wake up again in, <laughs> yeah. in 2012 without any idea of what's going on? Okay. I don't know. It's it's the it's the Thanos snap. Exactly. And obviously, well, you know, the jumping to the future, he knows Santa or Father Christmas. So right. has he been meeting him in years since? I, I, there's so many questions. So many questions. We, we need prequels. We need a prequel. To- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't tell whether this snowman is intrigued by this new boy who built him or surprised it's not the same boy. So Yeah, confusion. It's a bit of confusion, I think. Right. And also, where's this dog come from? There wasn't a dog before. There's yeah. just a whole, whole other snow creature with me now. <laughs> Such confusion, but... The snowman opens the icebox and goes straight for a fantastic-looking pink strawberry pudding. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He likes that sweet stuff. Sure. Uh, but Billy's a good boy and pulls the snowman away from the door, then turns around, and he sees the snow dog melting by the hot, cold fireplace. 
Yeah, I, as soon as that dog went near that fire, I was thinking, Billy, turn around, pay attention. He's going he's gonna to lose another dog here, so get your eyes on that dog. Right, and this time there's quite the puddle. Yeah, exactly. He's lost half of its butt, I think. <laughs> right. So Billy grabs him, takes the snowman by the arm, runs back outside with both of them. A lot smarter than James, who just decides, you'll be fine inside. Let's go upstairs to my parents' room. Yeah, exactly. He, he's like, let's get outside, guys. This is going to end badly if, if, if we stay in for right. various reasons. Yeah. Eating cakes and melting all over the floor. Yeah. No shenanigans inside here, sadly, but... <laughs> I like how the, the snow dog then regrows his butt. You see, he like rubs his backside yeah. <laughs> in the snow to sort of, I suppose, just add his butt back on. Sure, yeah, that's better. That was really smart. <laughs> then the snowman investigates the tool shed now where he finds the old motorcycle from the original. Yeah, yeah, another nod back to the original. Yeah, so he definitely remembers the last adventure we saw him have. Yeah, this is definitely the same snowman. Right. Uh, but on top of the bike is a box with various little knickknacks, including, was that the Batmobile? I think it did look like the Batmobile. If not, it, was something, it, was, it was, must have been an homage to if, if it wasn't the exact Batmobile, because it was yeah. incredibly similar. Sure, it's a little toy matchbox-sized car that looks like the Adam West Batmobile. I, I think I had one of those as a kid. I'm sure I remember having a, I did. a mini Batmobile, but it, it might have been it might have been more like a nineties one, maybe. Uh, again, it was a very long time ago. So my or right. the late eighties one, I suppose, the you know, the original Batman, uh, the Tim Burton Batman mm-hmm. um film. I think I had one of those rather than the sixties um Batman. I had a sixties one that was about the size of this car, like a Hot Wheels or a matchbox car, and then we had a the Batmobile from the Tim Burton movie that was bigger and you could actually yeah. fit Batman inside of it. Fit the toy inside. Right. I, I do remember as a teenager, actually, the um, I remember I, I went through a phase of watching the old Batman series from the 60s, which I never watched when I was a kid, but then okay. found them on some, I think someone had maybe a DVD of them or something. And I watched a bunch of them when I was uh, at university and somewhere online at the same time, someone was selling like a replica Oh, you wow. could buy of the original Batmobile and you, it was just for sale for like a million dollars or something. And I was, I, me- I remember sort of showing everyone I knew this cool car that I'd found and being like, I want to go to America when I win the lottery and buy that car basically <laughs> and bring go. it home. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, also, there's a Rubik's Cube and a rubber duck, some other stuff, but the snowman picks up a little plastic snow globe with a Christmas tree inside of it with a star that shines a little when he shakes it. Yeah, it's festive magic. He's a festive guy. Obviously, he goes straight for the Christmassy thing. Sure. Uh, but he doesn't take that out either. Instead, the snowman finds a wooden sled and has Billy and the snow dog sit down on it while he pulls it around the snowy streets of his neighborhood. It's very kind of him. I was thinking that to pull him around in it. He's not getting a go. He's just pulling the, the, yeah. kid and the dog around. Right. Now, we've established that this snowman remembers the past, but he doesn't seem to be shocked at all. By the fact that there are now many more houses and buildings around. <laughs> no, he takes it in his stride. He's, yeah. he's, um, he's uh, adaptable, we'd say, this snowman, I think. Sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, they walk past one house with a lot of really bright lawn decorations. And the snowman tips his hat to say hi to a snow woman who doesn't move yet. No, not yet. Uh, we we do see a little girl peek out of her window and is surprised to see not just a snowman walking past her house, but she has a doll of the same snowman with the hat and scarf. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird meta thing going on here. I don't know. <laughs> what universe are we in? <laughs> is this snowman famous in his own universe? Yeah, maybe maybe back when he appeared, there were sightings of him or something or 
some I don't know uh, law appeared around this snowman that appeared flying through the skies one Christmas Eve back in the 1940s. Perhaps, or I don't know. Uh, did you happen to watch Hocus Pocus two for Halloween? I did watch it for Halloween. Yes, absolutely. And in the sequel, there's a very quick scene of some kids watching the original movie on TV as a quick "Hey, look!" gag. Yeah, exactly. So there's the similar sense of this thing exists within this thing. Right. <laughs> Again, break it, your mind. It's a little strange, and that looks to be what's happening here. Unless maybe, maybe, maybe the original boy grew up and made toys of oh. his snowman. Oh, perhaps. Uh, maybe yeah, he was a, became a you know love of of Christmas and and all things uh, sort of you know childlike made toys as he grew up and oh i like that inspired by the snowman friend he had as a child yeah. made this toy that became a big thing all right headcanon accepted yep uh so at the end of the neighborhood is a gate that leads to a big tall snowy hill at the top of which we get a great view of a nearby city but so we established the original is set near where you live in brighton yeah I think I think it might be bright, and it's hard to tell from the image because you can't see anything really clearly. I was going to ask, does this still look like Brighton? Um, not really. It looks just like any city. I think okay, it doesn't look particularly Brighton-esque. I couldn't see any Brighton features. No, I um, couldn't see any of the features, and it didn't look like a coastal city either. No, no. So I'm not quite sure what that could have been. I don't know. Okay, I know we're about to fly over London, but that's back in the other direction over the house again. Exactly. They got set off to London. It seems like that's a right. bit of a way away. Uh, so that part looked like it checked out, but but this didn't look like a seaside town anymore. So no, I was confused. Uh, it's all in a giant snow globe, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it's magic. It's all magic. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but the view isn't what the snowman brought Billy up here to see. He directs our attention skyward, and already we see dozens of other snowmen in flight. And I thought, oh, we're doing this now? <laughs> yeah, we got all the other snowmen taken off um, as before, and and again, I was just like, where are they all coming from? I don't know. There's all from to people's gardens, I assume. So yeah. all these people are making these exact same type of snowman and the exact same time. Looks like it in the exact same style. You know, yes. there's not one that's if, if one of the, if mine flew up in the sky, it would be like a wonky, shonky head slightly falling <laughs> off, like arm smaller than yes. the other one. If my garden, <laughs> the poor guy. Oh no. And it feels like this seemed to happen a lot earlier than in the first story, and I was I was right. So yeah. we're a little past the 11-minute mark here. In the original, this starts after 15 and a half minutes. Yeah. Now, that's with the David Bowie intro, because that's the copy I have, but... And I think they do, I suppose it's the bike ride and things, so there's more stuff going on, potentially, in the build-up before they get to the takeoff mm -hmm. they yeah they they need a lot more story to tell here of just yeah. antics but billy seems pretty chill just watching all these snow people flying in the sky yeah he's he's accepted it now he's just sure fine if i've got a dog made of snow i'm, I'm up for this yeah neat <laughs> and before we know it the snowman takes billy by the arm and starts running down the hill billy scoops up the snow dog and we're off To go walking in the air, but to a new song this time. Yep, no walking in the air now. Uh, couldn't couldn't use that this time. I guess not. This one is called Light the Night. All through the quiet of the night sky I look out of my window jet stream as a lonely light Written and performed by Andy Burroughs. 
Adam, what can you tell us about Andy Burroughs? So Andy Burroughs is a drummer for a indie rock band from the early 2000s called Razorlight. Um, they were pretty big at the time, and for me especially, I was one of those indie rock kids in the early to mid to late 2000s wearing skinny jeans and converse or vans <laughs> and a band t-shirt or a blazer with a t-shirt and went to lots of gigs I saw, i've seen razor light i think two or three times at different festivals um, they had a couple of big hits they had golden touch was a big hit america they were quite good their first two albums i, I quite enjoyed i think i had them both on cd when i was a, um, a teenager um but more importantly he's so sort of Razorlight went on for quite a while. I, th- I think they are still going, although they had some issue with their lead singer. I think was okay. left the band in some some criminal issue, but the band continued. And Andy Burroughs, though, has sort of branched out into his own a bit more, doing soundtracks for various things. He's done. I know he worked with um, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I saw that. Um, on yeah, for Afterlife. Afterlife. Uh, and helped write music for the um, David Brent film. The Office sort of uh, character had his own movie. Uh, oh. And Andy Burroughs wrote some music for that as well. Um, it's quite a funny film, actually. It's a good film. I need to go. I didn't know there was a film. Yeah, it's called David Brent Life on the Road, I think. Uh, huh. It is quite funny. And it, it, he sort of sings in that. And the songs are, I think, partially written by Andy Burroughs. Oh, okay. But, um, the, the Andy Burroughs festive link, actually, that I don't think many people are aware of, is that he teamed up with another singer from another indie band called Editors, a guy called Tom Smith, in... Um, early to 2011 is when it was um so the year before this and they released an album under the name funny looking angels uh, and the, <laughs> the the name of the album is the name of their band name is funny looking angels and it's a christmas album okay or, or sort of a festive album i'd say it's, it's not super christmasy but it's all festive adjacent so uh they cover in the bleak midwinter uh, there's a song, uh, they cover the Christmas song. Uh, there's um, a few originals. There's a really nice one called When the Thames Froze. Uh, they cover a few other songs that were sort of slightly festive, or there's one called Only You by Yazoo, which was a Christmas number one here in the 80s. So it's not very, it's not a Christmas song, but it was Christmas number one. Um, it's really nice. It's a good, odd Christmas album because it's not like a usual Christmas album. It's, it's a bit bleak. It's a bit sort of sad. It's um, um, like an, a sort of, dark pop rock album i'd call it um, okay. it's worth checking out if you're looking you know especially if you like a bit of a maudlin melancholy christmas um, yeah. song it's, it's really good it's a sort of um little known gem that i've, I've got it on cd somewhere actually because i'm collecting alternative weird british christmas albums and that's one to check out i'm intrigued now i need to go check this out so andy burroughs co-wrote the music for this special alongside elon x elon s carry <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't pronounce it either. <laughs> I tried. Uh, who's also worked on the scores of films like Still Alice and 47 Ronin and the Shaun the Sheep movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as as well as the video game The Sims 4. Oh, really? I didn't see The Sims 4. I saw yeah, the Shaun the Sheep movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, Howard Blake, who wrote the music for the original Snowman, including the song Walking in the Air, said in an interview he asked about the sequel and was told to send a demo. Yeah, I saw this and uh, <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> uh, it's sort of the disrespect, I think, that he probably yeah. felt, you know, to say, well, I wrote the original. You know, you know, I wrote Walking in the Air. You know, I you know, <laughs> right. did all that beautiful music that everyone plays every Christmas. Sure. But apparently the, you know, the producers were like, well, you know, oh, well, <laughs> we need yeah. something new. Send a demo. So we decided, you know what? No, I don't think I will. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, but I think the music these two have written for this is is still really nice. 
it is. It's really pretty. I, I think, you know, um, it, it, again, it's hard to live up to that classic of walking in the air. It's, it's right. become such a sort of um, almost mythical song in a way in sort of British Christmas history that it's sort of, you, yeah. you can't match it, but the songs they've, they've written, the two sort of original songs that are in there are, are really nice. They're really pretty songs. They are like, and they managed to strike a balance between the wonder of the original and adding a bit more pop to it. Exactly. Like the night is the, the first one, isn't it? It's called, which yes. again, is quite a nice song title, I think mm-hmm. quite sweet. And throughout this special, there are little flourishes that I enjoy. Like there's this acoustic guitar while Billy is building the snowman. Yeah. So we're flying now. And like we said, instead of soaring over Brighton and out over the sea, we're flying north over London. So we fly past some very familiar city landmarks, including some I had to look up because I have never been to (laughs) London. I see. I lived in London for seven, eight years, something like that. So I recognized, I think, almost all of these. There was was one that I was like, what is that? And then I checked. I was like, no, I was right. I I thought it was that area. Okay. Uh, Well, first one on my list, I didn't know... It was a transmitter tower on the site of the former Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah. It's just basically a big old tower, yeah. Okay. Uh, There's a newer building called the Shard. Yeah, the Shard, which is like the tallest building in, it it might be in Europe, I think it might be. Oh, wow. Uh, It's quite a new building. It was built when I was there. Um, And uh, it it is quite a terrifying building. It always reminds me of, I always say this to my wife, because whenever we lived there and now if we go into London, it reminds me of like the Eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. The sort of <laughs> shape at the top sort of branches off into two bits. Oh, and kind of looks, there should be an eye in between. And whenever oh, I sort of see it, I, I do the rumble sound of Sauron. Like, I'm just like, oh, I can just imagine Sauron's eye staring down at me from the shard. I did notice that at the top. Uh, and when I looked it up, this wasn't even officially open when this special aired. It was brand new. Yeah, it was very, very new at the time. Yeah. Um and then to the right is a very unusual looking building shaped, oddly enough, like an American football, I thought. Yeah, is that the Gherkin? I think that's the, the Gherkin. Yeah, it's, it's called the Gherkin. Yeah, it is called the Gherkin, which is odd because we don't really, we don't call them Gherkins over here. We call them pickles. Oh, you call um, them pickles too? Okay. I think so, more and more. I think Gherkin is used sometimes. It's 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 interchangeable now. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like that building. It's a weird which is a weird looking building. And it's like, an, it's a, I think it's a financial building, but it's just okay. a very cool looking building considering it's a like banks and stuff in there, basically, I think. Yeah, it is neat looking. Okay. Uh, next, uh, is it Oxo Tower? The Oxo Tower. Yes, okay. indeed. Yeah. With a big Oxo on it. Yeah. Which used to you'd be, you know, sort of Oxo is a, a brand over here. Okay. Of, um, they basically make gravy as well. Oh. <laughs> it's a, they make gravy and stock cubes and things like, you know, to go with that. And they make, they do make other things as well, but that's what they're mainly known for. Oxo gravy, Oxo stock cubes. Okay. I just saw they have this very intricate windows on this building with neon lights that spell out OXO. And I didn't realize it was a brand. Yeah. Yeah. The Oxo building. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and next we, of course, fly past the London Eye. Yeah. I know that one because I live near its little sister in Orlando, Florida, the Icon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the same builders, which I've been on that one. And the view of Orlando from 400 feet is very boring. <laughs> boring and flat, though. I find it funny that you can see Diagon Alley from the Orlando one and not the London one, oddly. No, no. I've been on the London one. It was a very nice view. I went with my... Actually, strangely, I never went there when I lived in London. But before I moved to London, I went there with my sister and brother. 
um, um, on a very ill-fated trip where there was lots of car sickness on the way down. Oh, and no. Complaints for me and my brother when we were there. But we, I remember going up the London Eye and I really enjoyed that when I was sort of a young, I think it must have been about 12 or 13. And um, yeah, it was it was really good view, you know, a beautiful view across the sort of up the Thames and sort of obviously lots of historical buildings to look at as well. Sure, yeah. No, just, just a lot of flat land here. You can see like icons like you can see universal and disney far from and on a clear day you can see all the way out to the coast and there's a big yeah. building at the kennedy space center but it has to be a clear day uh and of course finally the clock tower where big ben resides yes indeed yeah which has been under refurbishment for the last few years I think. oh really it's only only just reopened i think yeah oh it's been- wow uh, sort of being updated for two or three years, I think they've been working on it. Okay. Um, I saw a couple of other places. There was also St. Paul's Cathedral I saw as well. I don't know if you saw St. Paul's. It's like a spiky... Oh, I did see that, yes. ...cathedral-looking thing, which I love St. Paul's Cathedral. I've visited there a few times. It's a beautiful building, really nice. You can go down into the crypts and look at the sort of tombs of quite a few famous people. Oh, wow. Um, and there's something called the Whispering Gal- Gallery, Um up ahead, which is sort of a, a big oval shape, um, sort of a dome bit at the top. And if you stand at one side and someone stands the opposite side, if you whisper to the wall on the opposite side, they can hear you like you're right next to them. Really? Because it's like a weird acoustic trick that basically huh. plays, even though they're sort of quite distance apart. If you just whisper into the wall, if someone stands exactly opposite, you can hear them. It's very cool. That's neat. Uh, and right about here is where we fly alongside a flock of geese, one of which sheds a feather that makes the snowman sneeze so hard his tangerine nose falls off. <laughs> so they have to dive down and get it. It drops conveniently outside an old air hangar, and there's a single-engine plane just sitting there. And the snowman notices Billy looking at this plane in awe, so I guess they decide to steal this plane and take it the rest yeah. of the way. To steal it as well. That's what I did think. This is theft right yeah. now. Billy, we've crossed the line now from uh, fun and japes into <laughs> into actual criminal activity. Right. <laughs> uh, which, okay, there was a tiny bit of foreshadowing with this when he found the plane under the floorboard and he was playing with it before going to bed. But this kid has been flying miraculously with a living <laughs> snowman. He built himself. Yep, and now he's like, but a plane. Oh, come on now, a plane's a bit better than that. <laughs> it looks like a fun plane ride. This snowman could really fly the plane well. And exactly, I was going to say, he's got some skills, the snowman, because he right. rode a bike in the original one and mm-hmm. picked that up pretty quickly. And I, I've tried to ride a bike once, a motorbike. Well, actually, I think it was a moped. I'd okay. never been sort of, you know, I'd never had lessons. My friend was like, sit on it, I'll show you how. I almost crashed into a wall from nowhere. <laughs> so I don't know how his skills are riding a bike. And then... A plane, I think, is infinitely more difficult than a, a bike. Sure. Uh, there's lots of buttons and controls. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I've been in a couple of small planes before. I, I flew over the Grand Canyon in one, actually. Oh. Uh, once. No, I didn't fly. Obviously, someone else was flying. Right. But you've been in the plane. Exactly. And looked at the control panel and was like, oh, my God, look nope. at all of that. So h- how this snowman figured that out with his big, pudgy snowman hands. Is, <laughs> right. it, is it more magic? More magic and miracle, I think. More magic. Yeah. So they steal <laughs> this plane. And the snowman's do it loops in the air, especially when they get out over the water and diving under archways and icebergs as they get farther north. Yeah, he's a stunt flyer. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost dizzying to watch. But again, very beautifully animated. Very beautifully animated. Uh, they need to make this ride a th- at a theme park somewhere, I thought. Yes. Yeah. Some sort of festive theme park. Sure. Snowman, snow dog, plane ride. Make this happen, but. Maybe you could start on the bike and then get onto a plane. Oh, I like that. Yeah, some sort of movement. Mm Mm-hmm.
This is Channel 4. They finally come in to land next to a gigantic fir tree topped with a star in an otherwise empty snowfield. And we're back at the snowman party as we see other snow people arriving from all over the world. And oh no, the snowmen <laughs> from China. Yeah, still, I think I, I, I remember when I was rewatching this, I was like, surely they can't have the same ethnicities as oh no there they are yeah we've still got the ethnicities of this you know sort of french french person with garlic and yeah. oh my god i can't believe they're still having these uh um representations in 2012 really like i understand you have to make it look like these snowmen are coming from all around the world but did they really have to draw the slanted eyes <laughs> yes, on the Chinese yeah i saw one? that <laughs> like we get it they get uh, the the bamboo hats are fine. There's a dragon on the <laughs> balloon. We can understand that, but uh, it was it was bad. Uh, there's yeah. a Japanese one selling sushi rolls. Her eyes look like <laughs> they're closed little smiley face mouths. Yeah. But <laughs> all the other ones just have regular stone eyes. This is from 2012. I know. Exactly. 10 years ago. They're all in different style hats and different noses. There's a lot more than um, than last time, I think, as well. It seems to be a lot more snowmen and, and, and snow ladies than last time. They've increased and multiplied over the years, potentially. Oh, yeah. There's a much bigger turnout. They have tents up. It looks more like a festival vibe. Yeah, exactly. We're selling food, cakes, yeah. ice cream. And again, that brings me to my next question is how are they eating the cakes and the ice cream? That's the digestive system question. of these creatures is <laughs> another baffling bit of magic I have to describe because, you know, they a lot of them eating ice cream and cakes and sushi. I don't know where it's going or how they made it or where they got the ingredients right, from. Again, too, too many questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Scottish snowman with the kilt is back. Yeah, of course. Got to have him back. I did not see the cowboy with the gun this time, but there's a cowgirl who drives by in a pink Cadillac. Yeah, we get a cowgirl. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of uh, gender equality in 2012, at least. Yeah, there you go. But all <laughs> these snow people just stealing vehicles. <laughs> There's a Hawaiian snowman with a surfboard and a ukulele. Yep, I saw that one as well. Yeah. I believe there's a snow lady from Brazil, I guess. She's got the fruit hat and the coconut bra. <laughs> and then there's a pair that's supposed to be Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, I was very confused by that as well. It seems like most of them are nationalities or countries or I don't know, something linked to maybe a place. And right. then there's just a Laurel and Hardy pair that just chucked in there, two comedic legends that have turned up as, as snowmen i don't know if there was a 
a big Laurel and Hardy child fan, you know, somewhere in England, right. um, making up um, <laughs> Laurel and Hardy snowmen <laughs> yeah. in their gardens. Someone on the staff of this decided to throw them in. They got the hats and the bow ties. The Hardy snowman even has a lock of black hair under his hat. Yeah, and they even act Laurel and Hardy as yeah. well later, yes, and fumbling and fumbling and right. falling over and stuff. Yeah, they're perfectly molded and sculpted for that. They really are. Uh, and then for some reason, there's a penguin hanging out here wearing skis in the backpack. <laughs> Just one penguin, just, just a one special penguin. penguin. I don't know why he's been invited and no one else unless he just butted his way in. Right. Well, and again, penguins live on the other side of the globe. <laughs> Maybe he's a holiday penguin. Maybe that's why he comes that's just for it. this each year. Sure. Yeah, for this yeah. special snowman festival, he makes his way. It's an international festival, so. Yeah. He's a guest, uh, and he seems very welcomed by everyone, so great. Yeah, maybe there's a snowman that comes from that part of the world, and he hitches a ride. You know, like, there you go. Yeah. This snowman brings a kid and a dog this time, and then there's another snowman from down south going, right, I'll bring yeah. one of my uh, penguin friends. Everyone's allowed a plus one. <laughs> uh, in fact, the snowman takes Billy and the snow dog on a ski lift ride alongside this penguin to the top of a hill, and it looks like we're about to have a race. Yeah, we've got the lineup yet. They're all using skis or snowboards here, though. I don't see anyone going for the Frosty-style belly whopper method. <laughs> no, they've got their... I, I was saying there's multiple transports in this one. We seem yes. to have lots of... We've got the sled, we've got the plane, and now we've got the skis and snowboard. And is someone on like some sort of tray or something, it looks like? I don't know. If, I thought it was a sledge at first, but I looked yeah. at it. It looked almost like a, a food tray or something. One of them was sliding down on, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure what was happening there. Or a drinks tray. I don't know what a it was. A drinks tray. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> Just a very odd-shaped toboggan. <laughs> but but our snowman picks a pair of red skis, and Billy and the snow dog decide to enter on their own, and he picks out a sled to ride down. But I love this scene. The music really picks up here. It's it's very exhilarating. Yeah, it's a fun bit. Again, you can see how kids will especially respond to this sort of you know fun race of a bunch of snowmen bumbling, bumbling into each other, falling over, crashing and bashing flying yes. off the race you know and it coming down to the head-to-head -head at the end yeah like a lot of them are just wiping out the laurel and hardy pair immediately crash into each other and you'd think there's no there's no people would be better at doing this than the little kid i you just would think just, i'd assume so you think they'd have years of practice and be pretty adept with snow from what it seems like and, and you know they can fly planes and ride bikes right. and, and but they're terrible at going on snow for some reason yeah they're of it <laughs> maybe that's it they're too close to it oh that could be it but but it ends up being down to billy and the snow dog on the sled and this penguin who's in skis <laughs> who seems to have gotten off to an early lead yeah i think maybe that's what the penguin's here for he's he competes every year wins every year oh, he's, he's a he's here to win exactly this is his uh you know lifelong goal his year-long goal every year trains all year to come and right. beat all the snowmen yeah and uh, billy and this penguin are giving each other the angry eyes in this final stretch but thanks to the snow dog billy wins by quite literally a nose at the finish line <laughs> the stretching out of the nose of the dog yeah yes uh, and who should be waiting at the bottom of the hill to congratulate him but santa claus himself Indeed. Good old Santa, Father Christmas there waiting. Yes, it definitely looks like Raymond Briggs' Father Christmas, but this time he's in that familiar red hat and suit, no apron like last time. No, he's a bit more uh, traditional. He's dressed yes. up for the event, for the festival. He's put on his, his best clothes. That's right. Uh, shakes Billy's hand and the snow dog's paw in congratulations. And he has a helper snowman with him this time. Yeah, it seems to have got some support. No elves, again, inside. No the elves. elves are maybe working still, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they got work to do. 
<laughs> he's got an assistant snowman also wearing a red Santa Claus hat and a candy cane striped scarf with a carrot nose uh, and half moon glasses. Yeah, they're kind of very officious, I think, with the half moon glasses. I didn't quite yes. like that touch. He's a nearsighted snowman. Uh, <laughs> and he's got a green backpack out of which he pulls a letter. And I can only assume it's Billy's letter to Santa, who reaches into his bag, pulls out a small gift for him. But this time we don't get to see him open it right away because the snowman points out that the sun's about to rise and they have to get back. Yep, time's up. Uh, but this party felt longer than it did last time. Yeah, I think they, you were talking earlier about how they uh, it takes longer to get to, or shorter to get to the plane and get to the flying bits. Right. And I think this is why the, the, the party scene is bigger and longer. We've got the food stores, we've got all the dancing and the partying, we've got the race, we've mm-hmm. got Father Christmas. So I think there's more going on with the party that like i said maybe over 60 years this has become a bigger event now from right. its initial you know ringer ringer roses years ago That's and now right. everyone's like food stores festivals there's a race who knows what else is there maybe there's a bouncy castle somewhere oh, maybe, maybe there's you know, some sort of uh competition some fairground rides we never saw all of it next time maybe there'll be more to it oh i hope so some music performers like a festival oh there we go i like that idea uh but i did the math the original snowman's party from the second James and the snowman push back the trees to see the clearing to the moment they take off her home is almost exactly three minutes, maybe three minutes in a second. This party from the second the festival music starts to the moment they take off her home is three minutes and 40 seconds. I see. Mm. Though I should add at this time, there was a line to check in. <laughs> there was exactly yeah there's there's more, more, many more snowmen to join in this time yeah there was one snowman in a security guard hat and a tie with a clipboard checking people off as they arrived exactly it's, it's gone a lot more um um official this yeah. time around we've yeah. got we've got people with half moon glasses working for santa we've got the security guards we've got stall holders i feel like there's there's a lot more planning to go on with this one which again i don't know how they do it but well done, I suppose I should say to these snowmen for pulling together and uh, getting stuff organized. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it, like a really fun time and waiting in line is part of the experience, I guess. I wonder how many uh, people that security snowman has to bounce away as well. I don't know okay. if there's uh, some maybe potential interlopers who are like, no, get out of here. You were trouble last year. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention this security guard snowman has orange slices for ears. <laughs> yeah, I did quite like that touch. Yeah. yeah, let's start giving Snowman orange slice ears, everyone. Yeah, if it snows this year, that's what I'm going to do. The breakthrough in Snowman design. <laughs> Speaking of breakthroughs in Snowman design, when Billy and the Snowman and the Snow Dog head back to the plane, there's a pilot Snowman in a bomber jacket and an aviator helmet already there. Yeah, he's just checking out the plane. I don't know if he just saw it. it was like, ooh, I like the look of that, yeah. and happened to be the perfect um pilot style snowman that someone had made yes uh and this guy's got what looks to be a green lime for a nose yeah <laughs> and two pieces of asparagus as a mustache yes i loved that i did like this mustache asparagus. again who made this snowman there's some right weird aviation kid i know some kid that loves planes maybe a plane spot and he's like yeah. i love the classic airman of the 1930s Right, let's get making my snowman. Get those yep. asparagus tips out, Mum. I need some mustache for this Santa. <laughs> His dad's got an old bomber jacket. Yeah, exactly. Put that on. I hope kids are watching this is thinking, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to put asparagus as a mustache on my snowman. Yeah, we need we need to get more inventive with our snowman. I we think. do. It's getting same old, same old. Put a carrot for a nose. Yeah. No, no. Start getting more inventive. Put some weird fruit on there. You know? There it is. <laughs> weird fruit and veg, especially. Get yeah. cauliflower. Get, you know, some dragon fruit. An avocado. Just whack it on. Yep. 
So this pilot snowman looks like he's going to fly the plane back where it belongs. Uh, but that means our snowman doesn't have to make a landing to put it back where he found it. So they take off in the usual way, flying miraculously. <laughs> yeah, they could have done that all the whole way there, I suppose. But the plane may be more you would visually think. interesting. Yeah, but so this time they've just got a, an accompaniment, a security flyby. That's right. Uh, and we get another Andy Burroughs song here. This song is called Hometown. I can see the ground, I can't see you. See our hometown, I can't see you. Leave the lights on where I go, so I can watch you down below. And it looks like that was an existing song of his. Yes, I think so, yeah. And again, obviously, you can sort of see the connection here, hometown going back home yes. to the boy and the snowman. But but I like it. It fits here. Uh, and it actually kind of reminded me a little of the reprise of walking in the air we get when they fly home in the original. It's in the same key, even, in the tempo. So that's a nice parallel. Exactly. And it feels a bit more um, sort of, you know, slightly melancholy, I suppose. Uh, you know, sort of we're going back. You know, this is the end of the journey now. Yeah. Uh, and they even circle Billy's house in a similar manner before touching down. Yeah. And Billy gives the snowman and the snow dog a hug and a handshake before he starts to head inside with a sad little goodbye wave. But the snow dog follows him to the door and Billy has to point out, you can't come inside. Remember that fireplace? <laughs> Short term memory, yeah. <laughs> Which is still on overnight. <laughs> yeah, not very safety security. This no, house is, yeah, not uh, even a fire guard. Is there a fire guard? Might be a fire guard. There was, remember. yeah. This one had sort of. Oh, a there door. was one. Okay, we got it a bit of protection. Good. Yeah. Uh, and the snow dog sadly turns around and walks back, and that's when Billy puts his hands in his pockets and remembers, oh yeah, my gift from Santa's in there. So he opens it to find a dog collar. So he puts his new dog collar on the snow dog, and it turns him into a real dog. We've got that magic back again. We it's do. Magic, magic collar this time. Wow. I like how they animated this. There's that warm glow again, but it's very subtle. And the dog shakes his head and spins around, and his sock ears and spot almost instantly fade into a more natural brown color. It was really well done. Yeah. And it comes a nice little fuzzy sort of dog as well. Yeah. Very sweet looking. Mm-hmm. It made me think if does, if he takes the collar off, does he turn back to snow? Is is it only or is this it? You take the, yeah, is there some sort of weird, like you know, Frosty's hat style? You know, this, oh, this I is don't the, know. have it on at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Billy. Yeah, I'm gonna miss that colorful, mismatched sock ears, but I can't complain. It's a real dog. Yeah. Jumps into Billy's arms, gives the snowman a lick on his face, and then they run inside together, giving the snowman one last wave goodbye. They go upstairs to bed. The clock on the wall says it's ten minutes after five in the morning. And as they fall asleep with the dog on top of Billy's blanket, I noticed, this is where I noticed uh, Fungus the Bogeyman on the wall. Yep, yep, the fungus on the wall. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, And then Billy wakes up later in the morning. It's 9.30 now. But the dog isn't on the bed anymore. So he runs downstairs past his mother, who's also just waking up at 930 looking all groggy, like she's the one who had a long night. Yeah, she's a, a late riser. Yeah. <laughs> but Billy runs into the kitchen and there's his new dog playing with the ball he dug out of the snow earlier. We don't get to see the mother's reaction to the fact that there's a dog in her house. No, I was I was going to say, what's she going to accept that this dog, she's, she's going to think it's some stray that's broken in, some right. you know, mangy stray dog or a neighbor's dog that somehow break broken in or something. 
you know, or, or a weird, who would have left it because she didn't get it for the boy. Right. And would, how would the boy explain it? Maybe you have to come up with some sort of story that he found it. I, I don't know. I'm not I sure what the, uh, expo- yeah, I found this dog. It's ours now. Um, that's it. That's the end of the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah what, I guess they just have a dog again. If he tries to explain the truth, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, under intense psychological scrutiny from Probably, his mother and yes. professionals potentially. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, but Billy puts on his boots, and they head back in the backyard to find, of course, their snowman has melted. Indeed, this this snow again. If the dog can turn real as well, why can't Santa get something for the snowman to become a real man? It's just just for dogs. Just for snow dogs can come real. Snowmen <laughs> have to melt. That's that's what they have oh. to. They have to die every year. Yeah, well, Billy doesn't have a dad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could have been the snow dad. Here we go. Uh, but Billy just kneels in front of the melted pile of snow that remains, and his dog sits by his side and also hangs his head sadly as the sun shines on them and we roll the credits. And you know, after the first time watching this, and then it was only the one time, and then Christmas was over and the year passed when I remembered to watch it again. And I had misremembered the dog turning into a real dog at the end. I thought it was after the snowman had melted. And I thought, blah, this sequel had a stupid happy ending. <laughs> but, but no, no. they still got the sad ending. Again, yes. Briggs, Briggs isn't going to compromise on that. you gotta ha- you got to have a death at the end. you got to yes. have a, a sad kid at the end. <laughs> they had to end it this way. Kneeling in the snow with the remains of his friend. <laughs> no, I don't think he would have signed off if they gave it any other ending. No, you couldn't bring that snowman to be yeah. a snow dad. It's, it's got to be unhappy. Well, and in that interview I mentioned uh, when the sequel came out, Raymond Briggs said, the snowman success is about a simple thought. We all have the favorite people we come we become fond of, and then they pass away. And it touches a chord of loss. Even for young people, someone dies. So as we said last year, in his own way, he prepared us for sad moments like this and and like his own death earlier this year. So I'm very thankful for things like this that help show that this is normal and grief is normal. And thank goodness we have loved ones and pets to help us through it. Yes, exactly. And I I think that's what I love about, you know, I I love pretty much every Christmas thing. But the thing, the big difference, as especially a British Christmas podcaster, I notice is the British Christmas TV shows and sometimes the films are just a little bit sadder, a little bit bleaker, a little bit more negative than the American stuff. And, you know, Briggs is the epitome of that. He sort of, and and, and especially as you put it, he explains why he does it. You know, it's not just to, just to be bleak and sad and and mopey. It's because that's part of life. And he thinks that's important for kids to learn and people to learn and families to learn, but also to, you know, enjoy and celebrate the happiness and then accept and understand the the difficult times as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on the snowman and the snow dog, Adam? Um, well, I think it's, it's, it was better than I remembered actually when I was watching it, rewatching it this year. That yeah. I, I did watch it last year, but maybe I sort of half watched it and this time I was watching it a bit closely and I think I enjoyed it a lot more. It was, it was sort of sweeter than I remember and the dog was, you know, very cute and I really liked that. Yeah. Um, and as well, I, I've um, wanted to add that um, around the corner from me where I live and literally the street over. Oh, yes. I walk past any time I go into town. There is a snow dog, um, a sort of replica, sort of it stands about, I'd say, three and a half, four feet t- tall uh, snow dog. And this was a series of artistic uh, sculptures of the snow dog that were created for um, uh, an exhibition at the time when it came out. And they were exhibited uh, across the country and then auctioned off. And uh, each one was made um, sort of 
and designed in a way specific to the area. So the one down here for Brighton is like a um, got a, a snow and um, like um, a beach sort of theme. Okay. So it's got like a beach pail and um, it looks like it's got like a beach hat on. Um, and then they were auctioned off for local hospice charities. So oh, uh, like charities that. that support with, you know, end of life care and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, which is, it's lovely. I always walk past and I always smile when I see it, you know, cause it's there and throughout the year. And the, uh, it's, I think it's, uh, an, I'm not sure who bought it. There's a sort of a few companies in the building that it's outside of, Okay. but they always decorate it each year as well. So they decorate it for Christmas, oh, they nice. decorate it for Halloween, oh. they decorate it for summer, Easter, it had Easter eggs around it and stuff. So they, you know, put different things around it. It's really nice. Oh, that's fun. Well, I'll have to put a link to those pictures in the show notes too. Cause yeah, I do remember you telling me about this statue. It's really sweet. But thank you, Adam, for coming to revisit the snowman with me. This was great. Thank you for inviting me. It was lovely. Sure. And if people want to take your plane for a late night joy ride to the North Pole, where can they find you on the Internet? So uh, they can find me at Merry Britsmas, uh, which is my podcast all about Christmas British things. I talk about TV and music and Christmas traditions and history all linked to Britain. And I have an Instagram account, a Facebook account and a Twitter account. They're all just Merry Britsmas where I post things, pictures, images, links to uh, votes and polls I do about British Christmas things. And of course, my podcast as well. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas is great fun. A very specific brand of Christmas cheer in your podcast feed every month. Give it a listen. Uh, that link is also in the show notes for this episode, which you could find at adventcalendar.house. And you can find whatever socials I'm still hanging out on there while you're at it. Oh, well, our next episode drops on Christmas Eve. And if you've been paying attention, you probably have an idea of what to expect. And if you don't, well, you're in for something most sensational. So don't miss it. Until then, for Adam from Merry Britsmas, from underneath a loose floorboard where I hide my greatest treasures, this is Mike Westfall reminding you to mind the icy patch and have your pets salted and shoveled. Wait. <laughs> Good night. And now, these messages. It's Christmas! Hello, this is Adam from Merry Britsmas. I am a Christmas fanatic from the UK who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies to Boxing Day to Wham to Slade to the Royal Family to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, Check me out at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. Next time on the season finale of the Advent Calendar House. Kermit, help me, I'm stuck. I can't help you. I'll ruin your life. <laughs>